Um, today's the gospel of, uh, on the sermon of the four friends who broke through and brought uh, this paralytic man to Christ. Um, and this is a story you're all very familiar with, and often when we talk about this story, we think about the context of true friendship, right? And the idea of being a, a real friend is someone who brings another person up and brings them to God. And so how did they do this? They carried him um, up to the roof, and they broke through the roof, and they dropped this man, this paralytic man, before Christ. And the, why did they do this? Because they had a passion to bringing him to, to God. And this man needed someone. This man was weak. This man was broken. This man was, had nothing left in him, obviously, could not walk. And so these guys carried him and they carried him up to the roof. And of course, we know people who are just as paralyzed, and we know people who are just as broken, and we know just people who are just as um, incapable of bringing themselves to God, and it is our duty to carry them and to bring them up to Christ ourselves. But today I want to focus on a very small part of this story. If you go back to the beginning of the story, it says, again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. And this is the part I want to focus on. Immediately, many gathered together. And that's it. Immediately, many gathered together, so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even the door. There's large numbers of people. And in fact, so many stories about Christ are just like that. There was him, and then there's a large crowd gathered around him. And the question is why? Why, why is the large crowd gathered around him? And why does the gospel insist on pointing this out? You know, everything in the gospel has a reason. It's not random. And so, of course, the people may be gathered around him. Maybe they thought he was going to feed them, you know, and everyone loves a free meal. And maybe he thought, they thought he was going to heal them, and everyone loves free health care. And maybe they thought he was going to remove demons or heal someone or make them walk or there was going to be some exorcism. And of course, everyone loves a free show. And maybe they thought he was going to give one of his amazing sermons. And oftentimes, they pointed out that no one spoke like this man, that he was different. Or maybe it was just him. Maybe they just wanted to be around him. There's a story about St. Anthony and some fathers that came to visit him. And I want to read you the story. It's kind of a cool story. You probably all know it. Three fathers used to go and visit Blessed Anthony every year, and two of them used to discuss their thoughts and the salvation of their souls with him. But the third always just remained silent and did not ask anything. After a long time, Abba Anthony said to him, you, you, you come here often to see me, but you never say anything. And the other replied, it is enough for me to see you, Father. That's it. I only come because I want to see you, and I want to be with you. And I can imagine if that's the case with St. Anthony, who's reflecting the light of Christ, that Christ is even more so this way, that there are people who are just there because they just wanted to be near him. And was Christ's presence enough that people would just want to be him? Can he attract a crowd without food or miracles or healing? Can simply his words and his presence be enough for them? And it often says that he taught about the kingdom of God, and that's what people just came to hear. 
They just wanted to hear about the kingdom of God. And there were people who were sinners who just came up to him. And they started talking to him and crying to him and repenting to him and asking him for advice. And how many times do people approach our priests as they're walking at Costco or wherever they are and just say, hey, Father, can you pray for me? Or, or repent or open up their hearts and just ask for forgiveness of their sins. So people need, people need this penetrating love of Christ. So let's move from that scene to a more modern one. So when I see Christ gathered in our midst, what is the image of this in modern time? Us pressing around Christ such that it's so crowded there's no room. What do I see? I see the church. And so every once in a while we look at church and it's empty. The youth meeting isn't full. The adult meeting isn't full. The special liturgy isn't full. The feast isn't full. And we think to ourselves, how can we attract people? The church isn't full. What do people want? What can we do to fill the meetings? How can we make this better? I was reading, listening to a sermon by Wunaloa, and I'll, I'll translate it for you. And he says, why are you coming to church? And then the person responds, I'm coming to find Christ. Okay, then focus on that. So if you're here to see him, then focus your vision, your thoughts, your hearts, your attention on him. Don't let anything distract you. Who's here, who's there, who came late, who left early, who's coming and going, who's wearing what and doing what, who cares? I don't see any of it. Then what do you see? I only see the throne of God. Enter the church and you have entered heaven. So then what happens when the church is empty and we can't present Christ? What do we do when the meeting isn't full and the youth meeting isn't, you know, hopping and there's just not a lot of people there? Maybe offering Christ isn't working. What do we do now? A common temptation is for us to offer something else. And sometimes we can lose our way doing that. We can constantly look for things to offer. It might be social things, ethnic things, cultural things, athletic things, intellectual things, entertaining things, even practical job-related training things, or even service-related. But we have to ask ourselves, are those things fulfilling the true mission of the church, which is simply to offer Christ, and for us to be around him in his presence? No matter where he is, it's crowded. Now, of course, to be clear, we're all different, and we can connect to God in many different ways. Some through service, one finds God in making the hamel, one finds God in cleaning the church, one finds God in serving Sunday school, one finds God in, in being on the board. There's lots of different ways to find God. Some want to visit the sick, some want to visit people in the hospital, some, want, some people want to make food for women who have just had a baby. Those are all wonderful. The key is that you're connecting to God in those services and not just connecting to the service, or not just being entertained by the service, or just giving ourselves something fun to do, just entertaining ourselves. And so the apostles, they were different. They're on fire. And people then just converted for Christ. There wasn't administrative and athletic things and all kinds of activities and all kinds of, there was just Christ. And, and they presented him crucified. 
And so where did this missionary aspect go in our church? And so now so many different denominations and, and different groups so do so many different things that are not necessarily related to the mission of the church in the hope of bringing people because people are falling away. Occasionally you hear a sermon on TV that sounds like stand-up comedy or you'll go to a praise and worship you know, concert and it looks like a concert, you know, all with the, with the lasers and the, and the big music and everything else and you think to yourself, is this stand-up or is this a sermon? Is this Christian entertainment or is this Christian worship? And sometimes it's even more than that. It's more about the self, self-help, self-actualization, getting the most out of your life today. It isn't about Christ and Christ crucified. So I want, a peop I want people to come to my church to meet my Christ. I want them to come only for Christ, not by force, not for something social, not because I'm going to feed them, not for something cultural, but for him. And thus, as a church, this is what we have to offer. We don't have the world. We can't offer the world to the world. We can't offer parties to the world. We can't offer entertainment to the world. The world does a much better job of doing that than we will ever do. We have one mission as we offer Christ. But that's what the clergy do, right? So what about the rest of us? How do we offer Christ to each other and to whom? Well, if Christ is God and God is love, then your role is to offer love to the rest of the community. And I want to focus the rest of the sermon on this, this bit of our role of the, in the community as the church. So we are this body of Christ. And last week, Abuna Krillus mentioned that Christ brought together very different people a tax collector, a zealot, a fisherman, very different kinds of people. And this diversity is both a curse and a blessing in the church. Oftentimes we think to ourselves, we want to come to a church where people are like us and they're very similar to us. And of course, this makes it very easy. It makes it very easy for us to love. I mean, who doesn't love themselves? But the blessing is in the love of people that aren't like us, that are different from ourselves. And as a church community, it's this love that binds us. It's all we have. And so we are called to be this welcoming and loving body of Christ to everyone, especially the people who aren't like us. Last week, Abuna, two weeks ago, I guess, Abuna Krillus told the story about Elder Paisius and about this man who kept coming back to him, even though he was a bad sinner and, a, and Elder Paisius would kind of, you know, hit him on the head a little bit, not physically, with his words, but the guy just kept coming back. And I kept thinking about that, what brought him back? And I think of the story of the prodigal son. What brought the prodigal son back? Do you guys remember? He remembered his father's house. His father's house was full of love. And what else in his father's house? The servants in his father's house. And that how the servants were full of love in his father's house. So it was his dad's house, the memories of his father's house that brought him back. So today's gospel in St. Mark points us to one of the most important ways of service as the community, as the body of Christ. It isn't about preaching. It isn't about defending the faith against heretics. It isn't protecting the church from outside influences. It's far more practical. In fact, it's the most practical and important service in the entire church that all of us can do. 
It's about being this welcoming community. It's of extreme importance that the church be a place of comfort, of belonging, of love, smiles. This is an extremely important service that all of you can offer, and only all of you can offer. The clergy can't do it, the deacons can't do it, the servants can't do it. It's the body that does it. I'll read you this quote, it says, don't criticize or judge other people. Regard everyone else as an angel. Justify their mistakes and weaknesses and condemn only yourself as the worst sinner. This is step one in any kind of spiritual life. A few weeks ago, someone told me a story. They came here for the first time and they have a bunch of kids who are loud, as all kids are. And someone in this congregation turned to that person. They were struggling with their kids, and the kids were making noise. And someone turned to them and spoke to them. You know how this ends, right? You don't know. They turned to him and said, it's OK. Don't worry about it. We all have kids here. It's fine. Don't stress out. Ah, I love that story. And it changed these people's hearts. And they loved being here for that reason, because they were met with compassion as opposed to judgment and ridicule. It was a beautiful moment, and it reminds me of this story of St. Faustina that I think many of you have heard before. I think Abunas told it to us, but I'll read it to you one more time. During meditation, so this is St. Faustina sitting there during meditation, the sister on the kneeler next to me kept coughing and clearing her throat, sometimes without a break. It occurred to me that I might take another place for the time of the meditation because Mass had just begun. So you can imagine the person next to you is coughing and just being annoying. I mean, that's my words, not hers. But then I thought that if I did change my place, the sister would notice and might feel hurt that I moved far away from her. So I decided to continue in prayer in my usual place and to offer this act of patience to God. So she just sat there and let her cough and pretended like it didn't bother her. And that was her act to God. Can you imagine the looks you would get if someone you just kept coughing and hacking and maybe someone might say something to you? And I certainly would. And this person, St. Faustina, just sat there and said, I'm going to offer this to God. Toward the end of the meditation, my soul was flooded with God's consolation and this to the limit of what my heart could bear. And the Lord gave me to know that if I had moved away from that sister, I would have moved also away from those graces that flowed into my soul. It's beautiful. She tolerated the person next to her for the sake of God. What a beautiful thought. And one of the biggest criticisms of our church community is that we're judgmental, we're self-righteous, in fact, the number one reason the youth leave the church, you know what it is, is that they feel judged here. They don't feel like it's their father's house. They feel looked up and down. They feel criticized. They feel attacked. They feel evaluated. There isn't tolerance and love. There isn't acceptance. There's just criticism. And some of us feel so called to point out others' mistakes and the sins of others. And we discuss them with our friends and our family, and we talk to people about them, the sins of others, and even though we are unrelated to the matter. And sometimes, and I'm talking personally, I just want to give someone a look, like a dirty look. 
Maybe someone who's making a lot of noise, like Nagy does. Maybe someone that looks different than I do. Just to let them know that they don't belong here. And people do that. You walk in, and maybe you've got orange hair, too many tattoos, you're, you've got a, a body piercing in the wrong place, your hair doesn't look like it should, and someone's going to give you a look. Like, you know what? You don't belong in this place. But as St. John Chrysostom pointed out, the church is a hospital, not a courtroom. We don't come here to be judged and evaluated on our crimes. We come, we come here for healing. We come here because we're broken. I'll read you this quote. I've read it many times. Unless we look at a person and see the beauty there is in this person, we can contribute nothing to him. One does not help a person by discerning what is wrong, what is ugly, and what is distorted. Christ looked at everyone he met, at the prostitute, at the thief, and saw the beauty hidden there. Perhaps it was distorted, perhaps it was damaged, but it was beauty nonetheless, and what he did was to call out this beauty. People are here because they need. People are here because they are sick. There are so many people here among us who are hurting. So many people here among us that need God, that need His healing, that need His forgiveness, that need His strength. In fact, it's very easy for me to say that we are all those broken people, and we all need and we all need each other. So what happens that throws off the ethos of the church? What happens that it moves from a place of healing to a place of condemnation? I mean, we are called by Christ to do two things, to hide our talents and to expose and confess our sins. Even in the early church, we exposed and confessed our sins publicly. So this is the calling in the church, hide the talents, and expose the sins. But when we look at the normal church, it's the opposite. I'm called to hide my sins and expose my talents and tell everyone about all of my abilities and all of the things I have and how I can help the church. And so we show off our talents. In fact, every once in a while you hear someone say, the church is a place for us to showcase our talents. You're like, I don't know about that. I don't think that the church is that. I think the church is a place for healing. A church is a place for forgiveness. A church is a place for repentance. A church is a place to hang out with Christ and to be very close to Him and to hang on every word, not to show His talents, not to serve our name, but to serve His name with our talents. St. John says, be zealous within your soul but do not give the slightest sign or word or hint of it outwardly. So be zealous inside, but don't let anyone see it. And you will manage this as soon as you stop looking down on your neighbor. A few days ago, a young man asked me, what's the church's position on capital punishment? So me being me, I gave him my typical sarcasm and said, you know, at St. Paul's, we haven't conducted any executions yet. But of course, he didn't find that helpful. But the answer points, I think, to a, a broader reality, which is if a murderer walks through those doors, a known murderer, we should welcome him with open arms. 
In fact, we would welcome him as much as we welcome the bishop. In fact, more. Because Christ came for the sick, not for those who are well. Because this is the place he has come for healing. This is the hospital. This is where he's supposed to come. He needs this power of Christ. And as a Christian community, we would embrace this individual, support him, help him in any way we can. We'd show empathy, we'd show compassion, we'd show love toward this person. Now what the state chooses to do with him when he walks outside of this door isn't really under my control. And all I can do is to make sure that when he leaves this building, that he has touched Christ, and that he has met Christ, and Christ's love and Christ's forgiveness, because that's why he came. St. Isaac the Syrian says, conquer men by your gentle kindness and make zealous men wonder at your goodness. Put the lover of justice to shame by your compassion. With the afflicted, be afflicted in mind. And St. Maximus says, he who busies himself with the sins of others or judges his brother on suspicion has not yet even begun to repent or to examine himself so as to discover his own sins. So this church is this community. It's this place of love. And I don't want to pass over this story with just like pointing out one little thing that I love in this story. It's how disruptive it must be to break a ceiling. So you're in this like house, right? We, we're going to call it a house, but it's just kind of a mud hut, okay? And Jesus is preaching Four guys jump up on the roof. Now you can imagine how much dust is falling on everyone's head at this point, right? And then they start breaking the ceiling, the roof. And you can imagine everything that's falling on Christ's head. He's, they've totally interrupted the sermon. They've ruined everything, right? I'm sure if it was me, I'd just look at him and just go, are you serious? You couldn't think of another way to do this. And yet they do all of this and what's Christ's reaction? Is it a scowl? Is it a frown? Is it uh, you know, anger? Does he reproach them? Does he say a bunch? No, he says he looked at their friend's faith and he was just in love. Wow, you've got some really great friends. He saw the one positive aspect of this really you know, bad decision making. And so sometimes we, we come to church and we see people and we just look at them and go, what are you doing? What are you thinking? What could possibly be going through your head right now? And if only we were like Christ and we could see the one positive aspect in the thing that they're doing, we would be that more welcoming as a community. So let's forget about the murderer who walks the doors for a moment. What about the alcoholic, the drug addict, the gossip, the girl with the tattoos and the orange hair, the youth with the earrings in the wrong place, someone who's gay, someone who gambles, someone who lies at work? Are they welcome here? Absolutely. And when we look at the state of the world, we find that it's a state of tremendous hunger. People want authenticity. They want to feel the warmth of God's love. I mean, why are so many people joining all of these causes, cults? I mean, even anti-vaxxing became a religion practically. People are looking for a cause. They want something. They want truth. They want something to be behind. And they'll look at any, any, in any place. You, know, you ever see a, a homeless person picking through garbage for something to eat? Sometimes I see the world picking through garbage for something to eat. 
And when you're hungry enough, you'll do that. So here in our new location in Irvine, we have neighbors, people who live near us, apartment complexes going up. How wonderful would it be if we were the neighborhood church here in Irvine? Wouldn't it be the true mission of this church that if the people that live around us who walked in, who looked a little different than us, not as brown, that we love them and we welcome them and we didn't scowl at them. And if like today's gospel, people crowded around Jesus just because they wanted to see him. And we can take this to the extreme. Forget the, the murderers and the everyone else and the people around us. Let's, let's look at our enemies. I'll read you this last quote and I'll end. He says, love must be extended first to those whom one lives and associates. associates. There are people who display exuberant good fellowship toward outsiders, but show anything but love and affection for their own. This one where a lot, of, a lot of us are guilty of. We love the others, but the ones who are closest to us, we don't show affection for. There are others who restrict their love to their families and a small circle of friends, but are cold to everyone outside the circle. So there's people who are the opposite. They only love their friends and family, but everyone else, cold shoulder. It has been well said that a man loves Christ as much as he loves the person he loves the least. I'll say that again. It has been well said that a man loves Christ as much as he loves the person he loves least. The person an individual loves least is the person he is least willing to assist, least willing to serve. It can be further said that if there's any person on earth who is excluded from one's love, one does not love Christ at all. So may the Lord give us this spirit that we find the church to be what it is to fulfill the true mission of the church, which is simply gathering around Christ and his word and the gospel. And glory be to God forever. Amen.